My name is Jacob Smith. I'm the teaching pastor here at our Southwood campus, and I wanna welcome you to Grace. If you are new here, you're joining us in the middle of a summer-long series where we are studying the book of Proverbs. And we're reading this book, we're studying the different topics and themes that are addressed in the book of Proverbs because as followers of Jesus Christ, we acknowledge that our God has made all things, that he has created this world, that he has set it into motion, and that he cares deeply about our day-to-day lives. And so God has given us wisdom, meaning literally just skillful living. He has given us instruction so that we can live according to his will and that we can experience the life that he desires on our behalf. Because ultimately, that's, that's why God gives us wisdom. It's not because he wants to see us jump through hoops or, or you know, like do these random things for his just pleasure, but he has actually given us this truth and he's given us this direction because he wants our Best And because he made all things, we trust that he does, in fact, know what's best. He knows what's best about our finances. He knows what's best when it comes to our work, our diligence. He knows what's best uh, for our, how we use our words or how anger plays into our lives, right? These are all topics that we've covered over the last few weeks here in this series because we recognize that, man, God has spoken into so many facets of our lives, and we wanna be sensitive to the leading of his spirit. And so the book of Proverbs is designed to be something that is instantly understandable and immediately applicable. That's why there's all these different sayings, all these little nice little pithy quotes that are throughout the book because God wants us to just get it right away and then use it right away. That's why Proverbs was given to us. And so this morning we're looking at the topic, the idea of friendship. Because God has a lot to say about the relationships in our lives. And all of us can maybe remember or we're in the midst of relationships that we recognize that these are relationships, these are good, right? God has designed us to need one another. It's not good for us to be alone. God has designed us to function best and flourish to our fullest in community, right? He's not called us to live this life in isolation as individuals, but instead to join together because when we do that, we're able to encourage and support one another. We're able to accomplish more for the sake of the Lord than we can on our own as individuals. These relationships are crucial, and yet, because of sin and brokenness in our world, these relationships also carry a cost, right? That's something maybe we also can think of in our lives right now or we remember in the past where relationships are really good, but they're hard. That even though they are crucial and that they bring benefit, and even though the Lord has called us to it, because of sin in our world, these relationships carry a cost. It takes effort. It takes honesty and vulnerability, and that's not always easy, right? But we can do so much more together. We're always better when we're together. Uh, to illustrate this, I have a little exercise for, this, for us this morning, a little experiment, if you will, going back to eighth grade biology. And what we're gonna do uh, is we are going to see what happens when I do something on my own versus when we all do something together, okay? So what what we're gonna do uh, is I'm gonna turn off my mic in just a minute, and I'm going to bid good morning to Cooper Newman. Cooper is uh, an incoming fellow here at Southwood. He works in our, he's in our sound booth this morning. He's off in there, serves a lot. Uh, Look, there he is right there. Cooper, give us a wave so we see, oh, a thumbs up. Oh, howdy. Oh, he stood up, no less. Wow. Cooper's feeling bold today, which I love. And so what we're gonna do is we are going to just bid Cooper a good morning, right? Standard greeting. Actually, you know what? Let's go a little more aggy because you gave me a thumbs up. Uh, I'm gonna say, let's say, we're gonna give you a good old howdy, all right? So 
I'm going to say on my own, howdy, Cooper. Okay, I'm gonna say it with my mic turned off, so don't be alarmed. Uh, this isn't a technical difficulty, but just listen as I say this wonderful greeting, this Aggie thing greeting to our beloved Cooper Newman, the one and the only, the man, the myth, the blessing to us. All right, so. Yeah, so he heard me, right? I, to be fair, I'm on a stage. This room is designed to, uh, the acoustics of it are designed to amplify anyone who's up here. Uh, but, you know, it was, it was a pretty good howdy, but it wasn't necessarily like the best. So what we're gonna do is together, I'm gonna turn my mic off one more time, and all of us together on the count of three are just gonna give a good old howdy, Cooper. All right, so on three, howdy, Cooper. Cooper, 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 remember that. Okay, so howdy, Cooper, one, two, three. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Cooper, how did that feel? You feel, oh, wow, awesome. You feel howdy? Okay, good. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that's the goal. Uh, well, this morning, as I said, this was just a little, a little experiment for us to see that, yeah, you know what? It took a little bit of effort, took a little bit of energy. I probably explained it way more than I needed to, uh, and, but we got together and we howdied Cooper so well that he now feels awesome. Wow, what do you know? We can do so much together. It's so much more powerful when we come together, but as I said, it carried a cost, right? There was effort, there was energy, there was time that had to be dedicated for us to actually work together in that pursuit. And so for us, when we look at God's calling to us, when he, when he commands us to build and maintain healthy relationships and healthy friendships, we can't ignore the fact, and God is not surprised by the fact that there's a cost associated. And yet what we find in scripture time and again is that the cost is worth it, that the benefit outweighs those costs that are associated. And yet we are so often uh, hesitant to form or maintain healthy relationships because of a variety of costs. A few that I was thinking through even this week was just sometimes we're, we're frustrated by the amount of effort that it takes, right? Sometimes we're like, oh, this is so much work. I have to listen to them talk about this thing or like, this is, you know, we gotta like call. I don't even like talking on the phone and now they're, you know, we gotta call each other and what do I even say? Like there's, there's a frustration that comes with maybe the effort required or sometimes we are hesitant to form these relationships because we're fearful of being exposed because to maintain a really healthy relationship, you gotta turn all the lights on. You gotta know these people through and through. And that requires vulnerability and honesty that for some of us doesn't come naturally. And it can be scary. It can be frightening to, to be exposed in that sense. And yet, what we find in our experience in life is that if we're not willing to pay some of these prices, if we're not willing to step out in faith and form these relationships, Man, the, the outcome, the consequence of isolation is, is enormous, and, and it's terrible. Uh, this is seen in our society, not even just from a faith-based perspective, but this is seen even in just the, the secular view of the human experience. Just this year, the Surgeon General put out this report summarized a bunch of years of different like studies and research, and it was all geared around the epidemic of loneliness. The loneliness epidemic is what they taught, is what the Surgeon General refers to it as. This loneliness epidemic that is 
constant and a danger in modern day America in particular. And what they found as they reported on some of these different you know, studies and research and surveys was that across, kind of just generally averaged across America here and now, that when they asked people if they fell sometimes or always alone, almost half, and this was actually 2018, um, and so it could even be more now, I would, I would probably guess it's higher, but that almost half of Americans, of adult Americans, sometimes or always feel alone. All, same number, almost or sometimes or always feel left out. But even most tragically to me is that last point where, where there is almost or just over a quarter of adult Americans say that they rarely or never feel like there are people who really understand them. To me, that's, that's so tragic. And in fact, the reason that the Surgeon General put out this big report on it and, and gives these steps towards like social cohesion, social connection, is because the result of this isolation is not just you feel bad, but the result is actually there, there are in just a ton of negative health consequences that you are far more likely to die much younger if you are socially isolated, if you are lonely or, or feel left out, that your risk for heart disease and, and mental disease and your, your, the danger that you experience, like there's literally like your, your, your heart health, if you have the stress and the, the fatigue of loneliness, uh, it is the equivalent, apparently, as if you smoked almost like 15 cigarettes a day, so almost a pack a day. You have the exact same health risks to your heart uh, smoking a pack a day compared to being socially isolated. It shortens your lifespan. And to me, that's like, that's wild, right? And, and people look at that, they're like, whoa, that's really crazy. But you know what? God's not surprised. God knows this because he has designed us to need one another. And even though we don't get to experience perfect relationship with each other because of sin, God has still given us direction for how to make the best of what we have, of how to live according to his commands when it comes to our relationships. And so when we jump around Proverbs this morning, we're gonna see kind of these three main thoughts. We're gonna see the purpose, the goal of friendship. We're gonna see the problems that arise with our friends because of sin, but then we're gonna see the process by which we form and cultivate healthy friendships in our lives. This is all wisdom that God has given to us. So we're starting in Proverbs chapter 17. We're gonna jump around a little bit, but if you wanna turn to Proverbs 17 in your Bible, go there on your phone. We're starting in Proverbs 17. We'll come back to it in a little bit. We're ending in John 15, if you wanna put a little finger on that page. Uh, but Proverbs 17, starting in verse 17, we're told this about the purpose of friends. We're told that a friend loves at all times and that a relative is born to help in adversity. So we're told in scripture that one of the benefits, one of the goals, one of the purposes of friendship is that we find in that relationship security, right? Safety, we find consistent love at all times. That a close friend is one who is born, who is designed to help support us even in difficult circumstances. Right, it's a love that we can lean on. It's a, it's a safety net that we can fall into in every season, every high, every low. That's what a friend should provide. This is why Proverbs 27 tells us that faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. Literally, the Hebrew term here for faithful just means it's trustworthy. It's saying, literally, it is, you can trust 
the, the constructive feedback, right, the, the, the good criticism of a friend. You can trust those wounds. You can trust those words even more so than you can trust just the inflation, the yes man, the, the kisses of an enemy. This is what friends can do. They can cheer each other on, support one another. They also challenge one another. The purpose of friendship is not just to make us feel good all the time. The purpose of friendship is to make us better, to sharpen us, right? This is what Proverbs 27 says, that as iron sharpens iron, so a person sharpens his friend. Literally, the term that's used here in the Hebrew it's very, it was, it was a common uh, phrase for the Jewish audience, for the Hebrews, but when it talks about this sharpening of a friend, it's literally, the sh- it's, it's sharpening his face. That was the expression that they used. And what that means, right, when you say that I'm gonna, a person sharpens the face of his friend, it's not that, you know, he's helping you get that chiseled jawline or, you know, shave off some of that stubble, but that, that sharpening of the face is, is meant to, illustrate the the development and the sharpening of character. That's what it meant to sharpen the face of another person. It meant that you were sharpening who they are at their core. You're developing their character, their core, their foundation. So that's what friends should provide. The best friends are gonna be those who cheer one another on, but also bring healthy and reasonable challenge. We should have people in our lives. We should be people to others in our lives that yay, 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 cheer on, 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 and also at the same time, rightfully challenge and correct and rebuke and ask good questions and and challenge the decisions that are being made because it's not loving, it's not good to cheer someone on as they're headed towards destruction. This is never good. Uh, I've seen this play out in my life. I've been blessed by the Lord to have some really close friends uh, that I got to know in high school, in a Bible study in high school, that we, a number of us, have stayed just tight friends uh, for years and years and years. So I've known these guys. I've been walking with these guys for over 20 years now. And it's one of those, rela- it's one of those relationships that is just, it has been f- so formative in my life. It's been incredible. And I've mentioned before a few times that we still weekly are on a call on Friday mornings where we ask each other tough questions. We ask about what's going on and we have pointed things that we're holding each other accountable to because we don't wanna just cheer each other on. We wanna challenge one another. And this plays out in our calls. It also plays out just sort of in our, our regular ongoing text string where we had just a few years ago, one of my buddies in this group, um, he had the honor, the privilege to be named, to be selected for one of the Forbes 30 under 30 lists which is like a big deal for people that read Forbes. And so he uh, you know, had excelled in his field. He had done these amazing things. And so, you know, so whoever was the editor at the magazine was like, hey, we wanna like hear from you. They got a picture of him. They like wrote up a little thing about him and all the stuff that he's done. Very nice, very cool, um, you know, huge honor for him at that time. At the same time that he got this article in Forbes, he also was uh, one of the focus focal points of this documentary that was about his kind of field of work. And so he and his wife did these, you know, interviews and they like filmed him in his workplace and doing what he did. And so when all of that happened, right, he had, you know, we obviously like his friends, us as his friends, we were like really excited for him, like, oh, it's so great. But our other thing that we love to do is we would just nitpick and find these just terrible, like, so for the documentary, 
we would intentionally, we would, you know, we all downloaded whatever it was, it was so we could watch it at our homes, and we would try to freeze and get these just most unflattering screenshots of him uh, in the midst of this documentary. We'd pause it, right, where he's like, you know, like making a face, or he's like talking to someone, and so we would like, we would pause it, we'd screenshot it, we'd send it in our group chat, and try to come up with captions for what he'd be like, oh, I don't know, like we would just, just roast him mercilessly, like, oh, 30 under 30, more like 30 under dirty, you know, like, gotcha, you know, like, that's just, we just did our best uh, to just knock him down a few pegs, and it's all in love, right, (laughs) like, I say this because, uh, yes, we were affirming, yes, we were encouraging, yes, we were so, you know, we were honored, we were excited for him, but at the same time, the reality is that I'm not really impressed with them. Like, like none of us are really impressed. We shouldn't be super impressed with one another. We don't need to have any kind of like, ooh, starshine when we look at one another because we share our lives with each other and we know, hey, that's great. We wanna affirm your accomplishment, but also I know that you're a broken goober and you need Jesus just like I do. And we are going to not just be humble, but we're gonna sometimes humble one another and make sure that we're not buying our own hype. And we're gonna make sure that we're walking faithfully with one another towards what matters most. And that isn't actually the greatest achievement of your life to be in that magazine. The best accomplishment of your life is to be the best husband to your wife that you can be, to be a faithful father to your three children, to be a follower of Jesus Christ who lives and dies according to his will and his word. That's what we challenge each other towards. And that's what we need. All of us need friends that we can turn on all the lights that aren't impressed with one another and that can cheer each other on for sure, but also bring healthy, righteous challenge. And so when we think about our friendships, even as I say these things, you're like, hey, that sounds pretty good. The question is then, okay, well, are we fostering this in our lives? Are we asking ourselves, are we evaluating our friendships to make sure that we are actually pursuing what God has laid out as what is best. We should be asking ourselves tough questions, like am I actually quick to cheer and challenge my friends? I'm not trying to think of like, yeah, who's encouraged me lately? Like instead, the first question we need to ask is, am I being this type of friend? Am I quick to cheer on and am I quick to righteously challenge my friends? Am I doing that? Do I accept that friends are actually worth the effort, that they are worth the cost. Maybe we're in a season where things have changed in our life stage, or, or maybe you know there's new family dynamic, or maybe we've moved to a new place. Are we actually taking that step of faith? Are we willing to accept the cost, that, that frustration of effort, that fear of exposure? Are we willing to step through that in faith for the sake of building and maintaining friendships that God tells us are best? Do we accept that they're actually worth that effort? And then are we inviting, do I invite the challenge from friends that I need in my life? It's one thing to say like, oh yeah, for sure, like anytime you guys want, like you can call me out on X, Y, Z. It's another thing to pointedly actually ask, hey, how do you see me handling this situation? Is this right? Can I get your input on this decision that I've made? Can I get your input on the way that I'm you know, managing this relationship or this responsibility. And so sometimes the way to actually invite that challenge is we need actual structure. This is why even here at Southwood, we have so many opportunities for you to be in a small group, in a Bible study, a community group, uh, you know, a book club, whatever it is. We have these things, then they are structured intentionally to create space 
for cheering one another on, but also challenging one another in our walks with Christ. So do we have that kind of structure? And you, it doesn't, you don't need to be in like an official structured group per se. I think that's helpful, but you can even form structure with your friends, like with your spouse, with your family, with whoever it is. Form a structure. Say, I want you to ask me these questions. Hey, I want you to poke on these issues. Hey, I, I want you to hold me accountable that I'm gonna come back next week and I'm gonna, I'm gonna share with you how this went or my, my struggle with this or that. And ultimately, what, what helps propel us in that direction is if we are surrounded by people who are following Christ alongside of us. We're gonna talk a lot more about that at the end. So we have the purpose of friendship laid out in Scripture. We also have the problems that arise that God, again, is not surprised by. We see this in Proverbs 1, right? Right at the start. He says, my child, if sinners try to entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, we'll lie in wait to shed blood. We'll ambush an innocent person capriciously. Join with us. We will all share equally in in what we steal. My child, do not go down their way. Withhold yourself from their path, for they are eager to inflict harm and they hasten to shed blood. Surely it is futile to spread a net in plain sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood and they ambush their own lives. The Lord is not surprised. The Lord knows and acknowledges, hey, we could have people around us that don't actually have their own or our own best interest at heart. And these are people that we don't wanna follow. These are people that we don't wanna be tied completely you know, next to. We wanna love these people. We wanna you know, be gracious to these people. We wanna pursue peace with these people. But these are not gonna be the people that actually sustain us in life, in our pursuit of Christ. Why? Because their direction is wrong. They are self-destructive or they are others destructive. That's what's highlighted here in Proverbs 1. It says you need to be on guard because there are people around you who are dumber than birds. That's the point, if you missed it, right? He says that it is futile. You could put a net out in front of just an average bird, and that bird's gonna be like, I'm not going over there, that's a net. Like, no way, Jose. He says, a bird knows that. He says, and yet, these people, these men, they're lying in wait for their own blood. They're ambushing their own lives. He says, don't be caught up in their path. Don't go down their way. Withhold yourself from that destructive direction. Proverbs 22 says much of the same, that you should not make friends with an angry person and do not associate with a wrathful person lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Same idea. So we, you know, Ben Biles really effectively talked about the the Proverbs, the wisdom around anger just last week. How anger, sometimes we use it for short-term gain, but it always leads to long-term loss. And so the book of Proverbs is very clear that if that is someone's defining attribute, if they're angry, if they're carried away by their own wrath, if that's what drives them and moves them, it says do not learn from that person. Do not entangle yourself with that person because they've brought, they're gonna bring you into their own snare. You're gonna be in this kind of mutually assured, destructive, downward spiral. So again, it's not that you don't love that person. It's not that you're not peace, you know, pursuing peace with that person. But wisdom would say, do not link arms with that fool. Don't do it. Because you're gonna get drawn into this death spiral with one another. You're gonna entangle yourself in his snare. Proverbs 18 says again, much of the same, that there are companions who harm one another, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So there are those that will, you know, maybe you bump into each other, you work together, you're in class together, you whatever. There are companions that actually, they bring harm. 
They hurt one another. But there's a friend who sticks close, right? There's a big difference between sharpening one another and simply cutting one another. So Proverbs, the wisdom of God says that we, we seek out those who sharpen. We seek out those who, who enhance, those who endure with us, but we avoid, we avoid those that are simply there to harm, to cause pain, to cut, right? The best friends are those who will enhance and endure. Those who enhance our walk with the Lord, and those who will endure even in times of trouble. Again, it's very similar to this idea that, that we need to be a people who are cheering one another on and challenging, but this is even more so. We need people who have our best interest at heart. This is something I've seen play out. The last few years, my family's had the opportunity, uh, the gift to go to Pine Cove Family Camp. And I never went to camp as a kid, and so it wasn't until a few years ago that my wife and I, we got to take our kids out to Columbus, Texas. We go out to a family camp called Cryer Creek. And when we go out there, man, it was amazing. I never experienced anything like it. I wasn't a counselor when I was in college or anything like that. And so we were like, wow, this is amazing. Everything was awesome. Uh, the counselors were so great. The staff was so great. Uh, just the teaching that we got from the word was wonderful. Our families made so many memories. My kids, it's, it's like their number one thing that they look forward to every single year. And I discovered, as we've been going to this camp, that really one of my high points of the entire week that we're there is like Wednesday or Thursday night, one of the later evenings, uh, we have a camp talent show. And this talent show is technically an open invitation, right? Anyone can sign up. Uh, it's like always kids. Like it's normally it's just always kids. Every once in a while there's an adult and we're like, what are you doing, Steve? You know, but <laughs> generally speaking, it's all kids that sign up for this talent show. And they just get to get up and they just show us what they got. And I love it. I absolutely love it. Because these kids bring just such a variety of gifts and abilities. Some of them, I think, just kind of figure it out as they walk up to the stage. Um, and others are like planning and preparing all year. There's one kid that goes up on this talent show stage. And last year, what he did is he walked up. It's like younger elementary school. And he recited Lincoln's second inaugural address word for word, start to end. As he recited this inaugural address, he solved a Rubik's Cube. And it was, I mean, I was on the edge of my, I was sweating bullets. I was sitting on the edge of my seat. I like was about to weep tears of joy because it was amazing. Like I was like, that's what I wanna be when I grow up. Like I need that. I need that kind of energy in my life. And so we go into this year, you know, just, we were there just a couple weeks ago. We go into this year, and that's all I can think about. I'm like, I just gotta see this kid. I gotta see this kid uh, get up, and I, I just can't wait to see what he does. And so it turns out that he walks up to the stage, everyone's just waiting with bated breath. Like, we're all like, oh my gosh, it's the hero, the champion, the one who always wins. Like, there's no winner of the talent show, but like, he wins, like, no doubt. He gets up on stage, we're like, oh my gosh, what's he gonna do? And he tells us, he says, I will be this evening reciting the poem Ulysses by uh, Tennyson, by Lord Albert Tennyson, uh, just like an old guy. Um, but I'm gonna recite this poem, Ulysses, a classic, like very long, very old Englishy poem. He's like, and I need these two counselors to go ahead and mix up two Rubik's Cubes. And that's what he did. He recited the entirety of Ulysses while he solved two, and then he solved two different Rubik's Cubes all in this like, you know, four minute span. It was the highlight of my life. Like I cannot describe, I've had three kids and this is like the most amazing thing I've seen ever. 
And it's, it's one of those times where, you know, you've got that, you've got that kind of experience. And then like literally the kid right after him, she was so sweet, but she just kind of like, they played a like Christian rap song and she just kind of like did this whole time. And we were like, yeah, you know, we were excited for her, but she didn't win, all right? But it was one of those times where, man, we just, we see these kids, they get up, they, you know, they do their thing. And it is just a time where we are just, it's so affirming. Like my wife, after the, after the evening this year, she was like, this is probably the most affirming place you could possibly get up and do your talent. She's like, because everyone's just on board. Like everybody's just so excited, so affirming. And this is what friends should be, right? We should be a people who want the best in this other person. We wanna enhance them. We wanna endure with them, even through thick and even through thin. We wanna be a people who are walking alongside of one another, excited for the joys and the victories and, and mourning and grieving together, even in the loss. That's what friends are meant to be. And so as we examine our friendships, are we really people who care about the best interests of one another? Do I actually seek the best for my friends? Am I just in this relationship because I want them to help me and serve me and fill me up? Is every lunch that we have, is every conversation just about like all the stuff that I need to get off my chest? Or do I actually want what, was, what is best for these brothers, for these sisters in Christ? Am I committed to supporting my friends in every circumstance? Am I ready to show up when times are tough? Am I ready to show up when it's inconvenient? Am I willing to, to help them work through that talent that wasn't really good this year, but we can make it better? Like, am I willing? to step in and support this friend even when it's not my favorite thing to do? And am I willing to speak honestly and be humble with my friends? Right? This is what I think is so key. If we wanna be people who enhance one another, that endure with one another, it requires that we are able to speak with full honesty and people who are able to stay humble. We speak with honesty and we speak with humility. And so the, we need to bear that burden on our own. I say, I need to stay humble. I need to be humble before my Lord. I need to be humble before my friends, acknowledging that God could be speaking through them and moving through them. I shouldn't be defensive when they offer me rebuke, when they offer me challenge. But in the same way, when I approach them with some direction or some guidance, I need to do so in a loving, gracious, humble manner. And I need to say what is right. I need to say what is true, even if it's a hard conversation. But I'll tell you, the hardest conversations, the most honest conversations are always better if they're approached in humility. Just because you need to be brutally honest doesn't mean you need to be a big old booger about it. That's the Bible term, all right? So purpose of friends, problem with friends, process of friendship, right? We might be thinking, okay, friends sound like they're the best, but how do I start? How do I maintain? Right, how do I form this or how do I cultivate this in my life? And thankfully, God has given us direction. In Proverbs 17, back in 17 where we started, we're told that the one who forgives an offense seeks love, but whoever repeats a matter separates close friends. Right? In other words, that those who are going to be the best friends, it requires us being a people who are ready to forgive. Jesus told this to his followers over and over and over again. He says, you've gotta to learn to forgive. You've gotta to learn to forgive. You've gotta to learn to forgive. And just because you forgive someone doesn't mean you always trust them. Right? It doesn't mean that, that you're giving over your life and you're, you're just trusting them with whatever happened. There, there are wounds that occur. There are faults that are made. Um, 
where trust is lost and it, it can stay lost. That's okay. But we're called to be a people who forgive as we've been forgiven. And in doing so, if we're able to forgive others, that's how we seek love. And that's how we form strong friendships, right? It's the inverse of the second. If we're just bringing things up, we're like trying to stir the pot, what that does, it separates close friends. In other words, that means the first statement is how you actually join close friends by being one who forgives, one who seeks love. Proverbs 22 tells us that the one who loves a pure heart and whose speech is gracious, that the king himself will be his friend. That the one who's pursuing friendship in the right way is one who has a pure heart. In other words, someone who is of high character that is following after, that is faithful to the Lord, and one whose speech is gracious. One who is not just living as God calls us to live, who is speaking as God calls us to speak. Right? The best friends are people who are essentially following after Jesus in their own lives. Because Jesus told us, he says, this is how I want you to live. I want you to love the Lord your God. I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. I want you to forgive as you've been forgiven. I want you to be quick to forgive. I want, James tells us we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. And that living out these, these commands of the Lord, that's actually how we maintain a healthy relationship with him and with others, right? This is what Jesus essentially communicates to his disciples in John 15. We don't have the, we won't have it up on the screen, but if you wanna turn to John 15, or you can just listen as I read. But John 15, Jesus is moving to the cross, right? He's, he's headed towards his crucifixion. And so he's giving his disciples these kind of final instructions, and he's preparing them for life without him because he's gonna die. I mean, he knows, and he's told them he's gonna be resurrected. They don't quite get it, and, but he knows that they're headed for just a world of hurt, not even just after his crucifixion, right? They're gonna see him after his resurrection. It's gonna be amazing, but then he's gonna ascend to heaven. He's gonna leave them. He'll send them the Holy Spirit to be their guide and their counselor, but he's gonna leave them, and so he's preparing them for life without him being with them physically present. And so when Jesus is giving them these kind of final instructions, uh, he's going to be very honest, brutally honest about, hey, the world's gonna hate you, right? Remember, the world hated me first, it's gonna hate you just as much. You're gonna be scorned, you're gonna be rejected, you're gonna be persecuted because of me, because of your association with me. So the world's gonna hate you. Life's gonna be really hard. In fact, we know that many of those people that were followers of Christ, right, those, those key disciples that he had, almost every single one of them dies a brutal death because of their faith in Jesus Christ, because of standing with him, because of proclaiming his good news, because of proclaiming his gospel. They're gonna die for it. Jesus says, I know you're headed for a really tough time. He says, so this is how I'm gonna prepare you, right? This is what he says in John 15. He doesn't say, I want you to just be real tough, like, or just be strong, or just you know, pray a little bit more. Like, those are, those are good things, but that's not actually what his final charge to them is that we see in John 15. He says in verse 11, of, or sorry, verse 12 of John 15, he says, my commandment is this, right? He's gonna bookend this little teaching with this very command. He says, if you wanna persevere, if you wanna make it through the darkness that's about to come against you, if you wanna persevere through the enemies that are about to attack you, my commandment is this, verse 12, to love one another just as I've loved you. He doesn't start by saying, I want you to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He's told them that before. It's still the greatest commandment. 
But in this moment, when he says, you're facing darkness, you're about to kind of ride off this cliff, what does he tell him to do? He says, I want you to love one another just as I have loved you. So verse 13, no one has greater love than this, that one lays down his life for his friends. He says, you're gonna love each other in such a radical way that you're willing to sacrifice your very lives for the sake of one another. He says, that's the love that I'm calling you to. That's the love that I've modeled for you. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. I no longer call you servants because the servant does not understand what the master is doing. But I have, in fact, called you friends because I've revealed to you everything I heard from my father. Jesus says, it's, it's not just that I'm t- giving you these marching orders because I have the right to do that. I mean, he does. He says, but it's more than that. He says, I'm giving you this instruction for how to love one another, how to be this friend with one another because, he says, ultimately, I'm inviting you into friendship with myself. I am calling you friends. That's what we're invited into with Jesus Christ. It's a friendship with the Lord of the universe. And verse 16 is so amazing that he kind of amends, he's kind of explaining, okay, this friendship came about. Verse 16, it's not because you chose me, right? He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that remains, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. And so this I command you, to love one another, right? Those bookends. He says, you wanna persevere you wanna live life according to the will of the Lord, you wanna stay strong, even in adversity, this is what you do. You link up, you love one another, you sacrifice for one another in the same way that I've sacrificed for you. You maintain your, your relationship with me through obedience. He says, you wanna have a healthy relationship with, relationship with me? Obey what I've told you to do, right? Do what, I, do what I say, listen to me, follow my instruction. Now, we know clearly from scripture that we don't earn that relationship, he doesn't say, if you wanna be saved, if you wanna have eternal life, you gotta obey. That's not the rule, right? He was very explicit with that in verse 16, when he says that you never chose this relationship. You didn't choose me, he says, but I chose you, right? He's, he's illuminating this beautiful truth, this, this grace that permeates our gospel. This is the foundation of our faith, that we did not choose Christ, that we chose sin and we chose death. We chose rebellion against the God who made us and loves us. And yet in our sin, while we were still sinners in the midst of our transgression, while we were open enemies against God, Jesus Christ stepped out of heaven and onto earth to live the perfect life that none of us could live, to die the death that we deserve because of our sin, because of our failure. And yet he rose on the third day and says, if you call on my name, you can be free from sin. You can be free from death. You can call on my name because I have proven through my resurrection that I have authority and power over what held you captive. And so he says, so you call on me, you trust in my name by no other name but through me. You acknowledge that I am the way and the truth and the life. He says, and then, then you can enter into this relationship with the God of the universe. Then you can have eternal life. Then you can be invited, not, you can be invited out of sin and death and you can be adopted into the family of God as sons and daughters of the Lord Most High. He says, that is what I have chosen you for. He says, and in light of that, with that as your foundation, he says, be that friend to one another. That's what the Lord has called you to, to experience his grace and extend it to those closest around you. 
That's what we are called to as followers of Jesus Christ. We need to be a people who are committed to the same vision, the same values, those that are dictated for us by our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what friendship, the best friendships are always centered on. A friendship, a romance is face-to-face where you're just enamored with this other person. A friendship is side-by-side. It's shoulder-to-shoulder pursuing something. And Jesus says, you wanna pursue what's best? You wanna have the best friendship? Pursue me. Pursue me. And as you pursue me alongside of one another, that's where life, that's where fulfillment, that's where safety and security is found. Faith builds the best friendships every time. Why? Because faith in the Lord lasts and other things don't. If my friendship with my friends is centered on baseball stats or if it's centered on a certain sports team, if it's centered on you know, a certain tech thing or we use the same you know, service, we like to go on the same vacation, that's fine, that's not bad, but it doesn't last. Christ says, you want a friendship that lasts, you want to persevere through thick and thin. He says, this is what you need. Listen to my command, obey what I've said, and love one another so much that you'd sacrifice everything for his or her sake. That's the relationship that we're called to. So as we close this morning, as we prepare to sing one last song, we're gonna be singing about the Lamb of God We're gonna be singing about the incredible sacrifice, the power and the splendor of Jesus Christ himself. But we're singing this song not as individuals, not as isolated little islands that God loves uh, me and and this is all about me and him. Like, yes, is there, do I need to be, prioritize my personal relationship with the Lord? Absolutely. But I also at the exact same time need to remember that God has put me in this world. He's put me in the relationships and the responsibilities that I have for a reason. And God wants me to lean into the community that he has formed around me, or he wants me to be diligent in forming and then maintaining that type of community that is centered on his vision, that's centered on his value, that is centered on Christ alone. So as we prepare to sing, we're gonna pray, and we're gonna ask the Lord to just give us some clarity of where are we headed? What's our next step? Is God prompting us towards strengthening certain friendships that we have, shaking up the friend group that we have? Is God calling us to step out in faith and, and join with others and have just an honest, vulnerable conversation? Like, hey, I would love to hang out more. I would love to have some like, good conversations with one another. I'd love for us to pursue the Lord together. I don't know where we are at in in those different, you know, steps. But God knows where we are. God knows what's next. And he gives us the strength to take those steps of faith. So if you would, let's pray and ask the Lord to guide us. Lord, we thank you that you have given us, Lord, this, this instruction and this example of friendship. That God, that we're not just told to make friends and then left to our own devices. But that God, that you have actually given us very clear instruction for how to form and cultivate healthy, holy friendships in our lives. And so God, we just, we pray that you would give us wisdom. You would help us skillfully navigate what it looks like to to lean into healthy relationships. God, to maybe create some 
some healthy boundaries or distance in, in the relationships that aren't honoring to you. And if you would, just take this moment now and ask the Lord, say, God, show me where am I headed? God, what's my next step? Is it a conversation I need to have with current friends? God, is it a step of faith I need to make in, in seeking out new friends? But ask him, say, God, give me wisdom and what that step is. And then God, through the power of your spirit, Lord, embolden me, empower me to take that step with full confidence that this is your command and that walking according to your will is the, is the best path to be on. So ask him for that discernment. Ask him for that direction. Ask him for that power, that, that, that motivation. Ask him for those things right now.